This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about persimmons. We are. I am sitting in my closet, in fact, with a cutting board, a a very ripe hachia persimmon, uh, a spoon, and a knife. Wow. That's a a really evocative image. It's, It's sort of... Like if your if your closet we thought of your closet as a cave, it's sort of like a prehistoric image. I mean, except for the cutting board. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's just me in my uh like my my fur Yes, yes. Uh my fur mini dress. Yep, that's what that's what uh, uh, that's what she wore in Clan of the Cave Bear, right? Yep, yep. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to eating this. I have been carefully ripening this persimmon for like five days now. So here we are, Matthew. Let's have you been do hand this. ripening it? I don't know if that's a phrase that's ever been used, but it sounds like something an, an intolerable, uh, like you know, natural foods website would use. Well, we're gonna actually talk a little bit about uh, like hand drying persimmons. Oh yes, no, no, I'm on board with that. I just like want something to hear something described as hand ripened. Okay, um, wait, Matthew. Before we get started, well, number one, happy new year to everybody. Yeah, that's. Uh, well, I mean, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it's it's New Year's Eve. Well, and if you're listening to it after it's come out, Happy it's, New Year. Yes. But if you're listening to it on the day yes. it comes out, we're going to sing Auld Lang Syne in its entirety, starting right now. Shall old acquaintance be All right, scratch it. For... Okay. Who, who are you going to kiss on New Year's Eve? I think I might kiss my spouse. Isn't that yeah, hot? I mean, that's, that's a... Well, well, it's, well, it may be like the expected choice. It's, uh, it can be just as fiery. And it's a great way to start the year off right. Matthew, you have been kind enough to allow me to promote my upcoming workshop on our show. Yes. I mean, Uh, you make it sound like I'm the boss of the show, which is not the case. But no, no, I'm the boss of the show. Yes. Um, Anyway, no, uh, we're like, we're, we should, we should, uh, you know how we we were going to do a sitcom based on spilled milk and nobody was interested in that idea. We should have called it. Who's the boss. Oh, that's such a, oh my God. And Who the, thought of the that? That's such a good like, idea. I'm, I'm like a hunky handyman and I move into your house. 
Yes. Oh, my God. I love this is going to be a big hit. Okay. Or if the show doesn't work out, could I just move into your house? I need a place to stay. Um, You'll have to sleep in June's old twin bed, which right. we now keep downstairs. All right. That sounds funny. Okay. Great. On January 24th, I'm going to be teaching a online writing workshop. It's two hours. It is going to be on my particular approach to transforming memories into scenes and stories. So you can join us by going to mollyweisenberg.com slash upcoming. The workshop's called From Memory to Story, and it's going to be super fun. And we're going to do some writing. We're going to be some, we're going to be some talking. You know, I always be talking. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, so sign up for that, mollyweisenberg.com slash upcoming. Uh, it's uh, very reasonably priced. Uh, <laughs> Maybe wow. maybe next time I should be the one who sells the <laughs> workshop. I'm also doing a workshop. It's about uh, writing uh, who's I the boss swear, spec scripts. I'm usually a little bit more coherent than that, but you're welcome. No, it's it's going to be terrific. Uh, I I wish I could join. You can, Matthew. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, should we talk about persimmons? Let's talk about persimmons. Let's start on memory lane. I don't really have a persimmon memory lane. I don't really have a persimmon memory lane either. I feel like I knew that persimmons existed long before I ever tasted one, probably because I was like reading food writing. Yes, and persimmon pudding seems to be sort of a storied thing. Like it sh- I feel like it shows up in, in all sorts of Christmas and winter tales. Like from England specifically? Or is it or is this like an American thing too? It, I mean, anything with pudding in it, it sounds very British to me. Yes. Well, you know, interestingly enough... I, in my research, didn't really find anything about the UK and persimmons. But okay, because I imagine there being like an Elizabeth David book called A Persimmon Pudding and a Mug of Glog or something. <laughs> I hope there is. Anyway, yes, I'm sure. I, I, I mean, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that they make persimmon pudding in the UK. But you know, I think it's actually, uh, you know, it's maybe more of an American thing. Okay. Yeah, because there are some persimmon types that are native to the U.S., and I don't believe there are any that are native to um, Northern Europe. No, I think it's just the word pudding threw me off. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Let's start referring to desserts as puddings now. Let's become real Anglophiles. Okay, I've got got a fork in my non-dominant hand (laughs) right now. (laughs) Perfect. You're well on your way. Okay, Uh, that said, I remember always feeling like I wasn't going to like persimmons. Like I was not interested mm. in trying them. Like this is part of my memory lane in case you hadn't noticed. I was never very interested in trying persimmons. And as an adult, I've come to like them, but I don't get excited about them. What about you? I would tend to agree, although I really enjoyed especially the the soft and juicy persimmon that I ate a couple days ago in preparation for this episode. So I think I would, I think I'm like sort of starting to lean into the persimmon phase of my adulthood. That sounds wonderful. Doesn't it? I have saved my soft and juicy persimmon to eat with you this morning, as you know. So maybe I'll join you, you know, in in that new phase. We'll, We'll find out here in a few minutes. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I think I'm gonna write a memoir called uh, like the the persimmon period or the the persimmon phase. And I don't really know how to write a memoir, so I'm gonna go to a workshop. <laughs> Perfect. I I know just the one for you. Okay. Okay, Matthew, can I share with you some of my research? Yes, please. 
Because okay, I know so, very, I, I was a little nervous about this episode because I know much less about persimmons than I feel like I should as a food person. Well, I actually could not believe how interesting persimmons were. We'll see if that that transfers to our show here today. This feeling that I have that persimmons are interesting. I don't know if I can do it justice, but here we go. Okay, so there are many different species of persimmon. I, I did not okay. expect this. Different many species. Different. Wow. Okay. Yes, the most widely cultivated by far is Diosporos kaki. Oh, from the Japanese word for persimmon, I assume. Yes, and actually around the world, kaki, is that how you say it? K-A-K-I? It is a much more widely used word than persimmon. So in French, for instance, persimmon is kaki. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. So anyway, Diosporos kaki is the the most widely cultivated species. It's also sometimes called the Japanese persimmon, the Asian persimmon. But interestingly enough, the word persimmon itself, the word that you know we use in English, derives from the Algonquian language. Powhatan, am I mm-hmm. saying that right? I think so. Which you know is a language from the Eastern U.S. Yeah, and in this language. The word persimmon is related to the word for a dry fruit. Do you think that means that like the fruit in its like fresh picked state is is not that juicy or that it's a fruit that's good for drying? I have no idea, but I, I think it could be any of those. Could things. be either of those. Yeah. Yeah. Persimmons are, are berries. I mean, I think of them, uh, you know, think of them kind of like a tomato. They kind of look like a tomato, right? Yes. They're berries, botanically speaking. They're the the fruit of a persimmon tree. And this fruit matures late in the fall, and it can stay on the tree for a pretty long time, like until winter. Oh, okay. Yeah. And ripe fruits range in color really widely, depending on the species. So sometimes they're kind of a light yellow orange when they're ripe. Sometimes they're almost black. It's pretty wild. I, I think of them, like, I think the range of persimmons that shows up, like, in a American grocery stores is pretty small, right? It is. It is. We really only get two different types of Diosporos kaki, which, okay. and we'll get there in just a sec. But they also vary widely in size, too. Like some of them are only half an inch, like seriously, like a little berry. Wow. And some like, a, of them, like a kumquat persimmon. Yes. Yes. And some of them get up to like three and a half inches in diameter. And some of them get up to no good. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're, those are the really fun, crazy, wild those persimmons, are the persimmons you want to hang out with. My New Year's Eve with. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, your fun, fun weekends with Molly. <laughs> Anyway, sometimes they're spherical. Sometimes they're kind of acorn or heart shaped. And some of them are more like pumpkin or tomato shaped. I think this is kind of interesting. Um, You know, usually when we pick a a fruit, whether it's a tomato or an apple or whatever, the calyx, like the the leaves that are right at the the where the stem Mm -hmm. meets the fruit, it doesn't necessarily stay on the fruit after it's picked. Right. Right. Whereas with persimmons, the calyx stays on the fruit after a harvest. I think it's like just sort of part of how it's built. And the calyx then becomes very easy to remove as the fruit gets riper and riper. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was easy to remove. Mm -hmm. So commercially and and in general, persimmons can be divided into two categories, astringent and non-astringent. Oh, just like, like people. Exactly. Which which of us would you say is the astringent host and which is the non-astringent host? I I feel like we kind of go back and forth. Yeah. I want to, I kind of want to be the astringent host. I feel like sometimes I'm the astringent host, but I think the astringent host would be the one who who's who's like sort of uh like has like a dry English sense of humor, right? 
Yes. I, I th- want I, that to be me. It's pro- It's not. But it's not me either. Okay. Oh, good. It's neither of us. <laughs> All right. We're, we're just we're just a couple of non-astringent persimmons <laughs> doing our thing. So, you know, b- back to this most common species, Diosporos khaki, is native to China, Japan, and Korea. And there are many cultivars within this species. Okay. Among them being the two ones that you and I know, Hachia and Fuyu. Mm-hmm. So Hachia is the roughly acorn or heart-shaped one. Uh, and then fuyus are kind of the more squat, like pumpkin or tomato-shaped one. And these right. are the two types you usually see on the U.S. market. So one of these is astringent and one is non-astringent. Matthew, oh, do you know which one is which? I do. I I, I thought the game was going to be harder than this. <laughs> the the hachia is the, is the astringent type persimmon. Yes. So what this means is that... Uh, this particular type has a really high tannin content. So when it's unripe, the fruit is like wildly astringent, bitter, chalky. It'll like really make your mouth feel dry. But as the fruit ripens, it, it like, you well, you want it to get all the way to water balloon texture. Yes. But as the fruit ripens, the, the tannin content drops. And so you do not want to eat these puppies when they are not yet fully ripe. Wait till they become like water balloons and the flesh will be like jelly-like. In surrounded your research, by a thin skin. Mm-hmm. And I'm just remembering this. Uh, did you run across the, the quote from Captain John Smith about astringent persimmons? I think uh, I first encountered this in Harold McGee. I think that it's about the uh, Diosporos virginiana, the American persimmon, which we'll get to in a minute. But yes, I did encounter it where he talked about how unpleasant it is to eat when unripe. It it will will draw the mouth awry with much torment. Yes. Yes. Anyway. okay, Fuyu, on the other hand, which are the squatty pumpkin shaped ones. Squatty pumpkin. Are a non-astringent cultivar. So. It doesn't mean that they don't have any tannins at all, but they're much less astringent before ripening. And then as they begin to ripen, they lose their tannic qualities much more quickly. Okay. So you can eat these either firm, at which point they have kind of a delightful, like almost apple-like kind of crunch, uh, or like a like a firm apricot almost. Yeah. Yeah. But not, I, I, not I agree. Firm apricot. Yeah. Or if you wait until they are more like soft and ripe, they're also delicious, but it's a little bit more of like a mushy texture, like a like a, a soft apricot, but not fibrous. Yeah. Mine, mine I would say, was kind of medium ripe. Mm-hmm. That was very tasty. Yeah. And fuyus are, are seedless, but they do have these, what do you call those little... If you cut across it, like across its equator, okay. it's got this beautiful design on the inside. Have you well, did you notice that? I mean, what, what you're seeing is is like the the walls of the of the ovaries of the plant. Oh, is that it? That that have like fused into a fruit. I think. Okay. Well, anyway, it's beautiful. I don't usually take a fruit like an apple and and cut across its equator. No, I don't usually do that either, unless but, I'm playing Fruit Ninja. But it was really beautiful to do that uh, with my persimmon, my fuyu, um, to cut it into thin slices that way. Really, oh, that that does sound nice. No, I just mm-hmm. kind of sort of like sort of shaved chunks off of mine and ate them. Mm. Okay, so yeah, remember both of these are Diosporos khaki. Okay, yes. But I'm glad are- we, we just realized. Like, I was hoping one of us would be astringent and one would be non-astringent, but we turned. It turns out that like you're you're a thin slicer and I'm a chunk shaver. I think that is just as good, really. Yeah, as long as we can like divide ourselves into two uh, 
categories that we can go to war over. Oh, perfect. I don't want to be, you know, listeners love it when we have our, our fiery conflicts yeah. and tirades and conflicts. So this is what it's going to be. Thin slicers or chunkers. <laughs> That's right. Have you ever listened to a podcast where the, where the hosts really do like get into it and like get into big fights with each other? I feel like there's one podcast that I listen to where that ha- happens sometimes and it's, it's, it's kind of fun. No, I never hear that. I, I can't take very much of it. But mm-hmm. hmm. well, Matthew, can can we talk briefly about some other species? Because yes, it, I'd love to. Because it's it's just it's wild to me how different different species of this same fruit fruit are, or the same tree. Well, tell me about them. So there's one that is native to the eastern U.S. It's Diosporos virginiana, or the American persimmon. I've never seen these. Do you know how the Japanese persimmon ended up becoming like the standard? American persimmons sold in the U.S. when there are Native American persimmons? I don't... Persimmons native to America. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, in truth, the American persimmon has, of course, been on on uh, U.S. soil far longer than any of these Japanese varieties, right? right? I mean, I assume it, it must have something to do with, like, you know, these are the ones that were that were easy to domesticate and put into mass production. Well, and also I do know that it was quite a while ago that cultivars of Diosporus cocky were brought to California and they, sure. they were grown there. And of course, since there's so much agriculture in California, I, I can see how this could have quickly become dominant. sure. And of, and of course, there's there's a uh, you know. Long, long history of of uh, Japanese and Japanese American farmers in California who would have yes. been growing persimmons. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the American persimmon, just like these other ones we've been talking about, can be eaten fresh or in baked goods. And persimmon trees are also often used for their wood, which is really hard. Oh. So the timber of the American persimmon is sometimes used to make musical instruments. Oh, so like you get like a like a persimmon. What's a musical flute? instrument? Flute, <laughs> persimmon flute. Let's say. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Let's say flute. Uh, so then there's the Diosporos nigra, which is the black persimmon, and it's native to Mexico. Uh, the fruit has green skin and a white flesh that, as it becomes ripe, turns dark brown or black. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Then we've got uh, Diosporos discolor, or I don't know how I'd pronounce that. I think discolor. Okay. Uh, this is sometimes called the mabolo, uh, the Korean mango, or shizi in China. And it's bright red when it's ripe. Then we've got one that's native to West Bengal. It's the Diosporos peregrina, or the Indian persimmon. The fruit of this one is also green, but it's not known so much for cooking or eating. It's best known for its use in Ayurvedic medicine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then here's another American persimmon. This is the Diosporos texana, or texana. Oh, that's the one that, that has like a little hat. I mean, a big <laughs> Yes. You find this one at rodeos sometimes. Yes. This is the Texas persimmon. It's native to central and west Texas and southwest Oklahoma and also parts of northeast Mexico. I've never seen this or heard of it until now. I've never, I've never seen or and possibly never heard of a persimmon other than Diosporos cocky. Yeah. It, it, anyway, this is so interesting to me that I grew up in a part of the country that has a native 
persimmon, and I never heard of it. Anyway, this one is black on the outside and ripens oh, okay. a little earlier. It ripens in August. So um, that's, anyway. That's my birthday. I ripened in August. You did. Congratulations. Thanks. I so, mean, not this year. Like many years ago was, yeah. when, was when I ripened and fell from the tree. Mm-hmm. Did you still have your calyx attached? <laughs> yeah, I did. They had to clip it. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> cool. Cool okay. coincidence. So anyway, um, Matthew, <laughs> do you typically buy these things? And and when? No. And in fact, I think probably you can count the number of times I've eaten persimmon on one hand. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. And so I was going to go to the co-op, uh, central co-op to, to get persimmons, but then... Um, uh, Lori mentioned that let's call her Silots W, um, sister in law of the show Wendy. Silots W is a pretty good name, w? right? Is it, does, does that sound like a like a robot in a dystopian sci fi movie? I feel like this sounds like something out of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right there, we go. So, so Silots W, um, a, a benevolent robot, uh, and also sister in law of the show Wendy, was going to the co op anyway, and uh, and is a is a big persimmon eater, and said, "Oh yeah, I can pick you up some persimmons. How many of each kind do you want?" I said, "How about one of each?" And she got me one uh, hachia and one fuyu persimmon. Mm, and the Matthew. hachia was 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 already ripe and ready to go. Mm, while you are while you've been talking, <laughs> I I have been over here pulling off my calyx. Okay, and right. cutting my um, hachia persimmon in half from stem to stern. Yep. Hold on, I got to put my mic down to do this. I, okay. I don't. I don't have a mic stand. Hold on. Okay. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. I'm over here now. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Where is over here? We can't see you. <laughs> Hold on. I just scooped this out. I was a little bit worried when I cut into it that maybe I hadn't gotten it as ripe as I thought because I kind of just thought the inside would like ooze out the second I cut into it. It didn't. But it's very easy to scoop out, and it is delicious. And it's so oh, yeah. um, it's so mild. It's really hard flavor to describe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's they're super popular in in Japan, and uh, like you can get, you know, I think if you want to really like zero in on what is the flavor of a persimmon, I would recommend picking up a pack of persimmon high chew. Really? Because it, I mean, well, it, it it divorces the persimmon flavor from from the texture because they're very like you know texture forward kind of fruit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on. I promise I'll pick up my mic again in a second. I'm just really enjoying eating this. Okay, I'll vamp. I feel like you were you were a little worried about the prospect of digging into that that soft and juicy hot chair persimmon. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a little daunting. It's hard to imagine what it's going to taste like in there. Well, I think if you're, it's and, kind of the size and shape of a plum. Mm-hmm. And no, if, it's bigger than that. It's, okay, it's bigger than. Well, plums come in. There are many different sizes of plums. Well, I know, but even like a a pretty big plum is is smaller than than this bad boy. This is more like. What is this like? This is a easily tennis ball size. Bigger okay, than I think a your bad ball. boy was bigger than my bad boy because mine, mine, I would definitely say is like large plum size. You may be the first man in the history of the world who is willing to admit that your bad boy is smaller than someone else's bad boy. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. What I was going to say is that, like, if you're if if you're more if you have more experience with eating plums than eating persimmons, like a plum that was as soft as a hachia persimmon would be an overripe plum. Yes, it would be bland and mealy and Yeah. Gross. So you want to take a, pers- a hachia persimmon further than you would take a plum. Y- yeah. You want to go um, all the way with it. I do want to go all the way with this thing. Hold up. 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. So, yeah, I was a little bit hesitant, and I, I'm not anymore. Okay, good. So now now that you've tasted both, which one do you like better? I think I prefer the Hachia. Yeah, I think I do, too. I mean, the, the Fuyu is delightful. and, and I, So here's the thing. I think I prefer a Fuyu that is still a bit crunchy, because what I don't love about the Fuyu when it gets a bit soft is that, you know, the flesh has a really lovely, uh, like... Um, not mushy, but soft, juicy texture. Mm-hmm. But the skin is a little tough. You know, the yeah. skin on these on these babies is thin, but uh, snappy, sort of. Yeah, kind of thin and snappy. And I didn't love in my mouth the texture of that, like really delicious, juicy, soft flesh, and then this this skin because I didn't cut the skin off my. Yeah, slices. I think you, you can skin them. I could skin them. I wish that I had a not very ripe fuyu around to compare. I to wish my, I wish my ripe fuyus. Yeah. Anyway, okay, Matthew, hold on. Here is a really, really hot button issue. Okay. Do you like your persimmons at room temperature or cold? So I ate mine at room temperature, except for like the leftover fuyu that I threw in the fridge and then ate some cold. I'm usually a cold fruit kind of person. I, I think I would I would prefer cold. But I, at the same time, like a hot, ripe hachia persimmon has what I think of as like a creamy tropical fruit texture. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, like you know, in the realm of like true tropical fruits, there's like stuff like, you know, like what's the custard apple called? Uh, this is going to drive me nuts because a car- carambola is a star fruit. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, there are fruits that, that are that are, you know, have a custard like texture and are, and are like very like sweet and and thick, but also like soft and gooey. Those, I think, on the whole, are better at room temperature or warmer than room temperature because you're in the tropics. But so I might take my hachi at room temperature and my fuyu cold. Okay, I chilled both of mine mm-hmm. because I just, I know that our listeners don't like this about me. No, no, no. I some, really, some of really, our listeners love cold fruit. I love cold fruit. I mean, I love like a warm raspberry, like when you buy it and you, you eat it like in the parking lot of the store or the farmer's market or whatever. But I-, I Do you pay just, for it? Before you do that? You do. You pay okay. for it. But I just instinctively refrigerated both of my persimmons once they were ripe. <laughs> and I'm really glad that I did. I really like this cool persimmon. I can imagine this being delightful on a really hot day. But unfortunately, since they are a fruit that grows when it's cold outside, I, I probably won't get to experience that. Yeah. I, yeah. I know what you mean. Anyway, Matthew, will you talk a little bit? I mean, you could ab- microwave them. Oh wait, you said eat them on a hot day. Never mind. Yeah. So maybe what maybe what I should do is I should take like I sh- maybe I should um, 
take like a really hot shower, uh-huh. crank up Turn, the heat, crank up the heat. Yep, crank up the heat. So Sit I really on the radiator. I really get that experience of being like sticky, kind of wet, wet, humid skin. And then I eat my cold persimmon. And then, that no, then you have your amazing. spouse come and feed you persimmons. Yes. That is New Year's Eve sorted. <laughs> you are welcome, listeners. Hope you've been ripening your persimmons. Oh, you know our listeners have been ripening their persimmons. We can count on them for that. Matthew, while I eat the other half of my hachia persimmon, would you please talk about dehydrated or, or dried persimmons? Because this is a big thing in many parts of the world, particularly in Asia. Yeah, I, it's yeah. a big thing, and I will talk about it, but I have to make an embarrassing admission first off, which is that I don't think I've ever eaten one. Okay. I know I know most of, most of, mostly about the Japanese version, but like, you know, in uh, throughout uh, East Asia, China, Korea, Japan, Vietnam, there are traditional methods for drying persimmons out doors and uh it can be a quite a labor-intensive process um but it's like it's like a kind of a premier dried fruit i also want to add that the the varieties that are are most often dehydrated are astringent varieties like the hachia yes because the the tannins uh are a natural preservative mm. so friend of the show sonoko sakai who has a wonderful book called uh, japanese home cooking you know she's famous for a lot of things you know she she makes incredible uh homemade artisan soba and uh you know she'll She'll make take anything and make it from scratch. But every year she makes hoshigaki, which are um, dried hachia persimmons or astringent type persimmons. And you pick them unripe, you peel them, you suspend them on strings on like a trellis. I don't know if this mm-hmm. would technically be a trellis. And you massage them daily. And they get they get dark and uh, and get kind of like a powdery surface, uh, and uh, then they're eaten as a snack or used for making uh, wagashi, which is uh, uh, Japanese traditional sweets. Mm. Mm. So I I try to get some because they do sell them at a wajimaya, and I just could not like. I, I could not get it together to to get a trip to a Wajamaya and before this episode, and I don't know if they would have actually had them in stock or not anyway. So maybe next persimmon episode, maybe next New Year's. I'm really curious about what they taste like because hachia persimmons are such a, it's a really delicate flavor. Yeah, and you know, and, having uh, talked about this now, I kind of want to try an unripe one just so I can like understand this experience of having my mouth drawn awry with much agony or whatever it was. <laughs> I'm curious what? now. I mean, it's not going to kill me, right? No, it's it's, uh, well, hold on though, Matthew, because <laughs> oh, no. I've, I've got some info about what it might do to you. Okay, before before we get to like uh, horrible uh, persimmon side <laughs> effects that uh, that you need to know about. I, the thing, the thing I realized is we do this show every week. I just realized I don't know oh, if you, you I don't did? know if you're aware of this. Congratulations! Like if I do get my hands on some hoshigaki and try them, I could report on this in a future episode and not have to wait all the way till next year. Why don't Why don't you remind me about this? Okay, great. I'll Thanks. try. Okay, hold on. So in Japan, have you ever encountered tea that's made from like the dried leaves of Diospora's kaki? I don't think so. Because that's apparently a thing too in Japan and Korea. I was just. I mean, I, 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 it does seem like I am the kind of I am the kind of person who would have run across that, but I don't think I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. So aside from you know eating these things raw, drying them, you can also make baked goods or steamed sweets using persimmon, particularly uh, the puree of a, a ripe, like you know the the mushy 
delightful inside of a hachiya persimmon when it's ripe. David Leibovitz has some great recipes for persimmon cakes and persimmon breads. But what I found really interesting in reading about persimmon cakes and persimmon breads on the internet is like nobody really describes the flavor of it. Like what does this stuff taste like well and it is it is a very mild flavor like i said i think it's i think it's a texture driven food not that not that it's like flavorless but uh you know it's not it's not like a bonk you over the head flavor like a you know what's what's a fruit that has a really strong flavor like a raspberry or a passion fruit yeah it's not it's it's not in the raspberry or passion fruit family it's more of like you know i want uh you know a, a comforting uh sweet tasting kind of floral uh gush mm-hmm. gush yes Okay, so also persimmon pudding, of course, you make that using hachia puree. Uh, Simply Recipes has a really good looking recipe for okay, persimmon pudding. Okay, we can link to that. Uh, the texture, I've never eaten it. The texture looks a bit like pumpkin pie, but it's kind of served more like brownies, like cut into hmm. squares without a crust. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, but Matthew, here is why you should not eat unripened persimmons. Okay, Are here we go. Are you ready? I know we've talked about this biological phenomenon before. There is a particular tannin in an unripened persimmon that when it comes into contact with stomach acids can form a, a gluey mass. It's a, a particular type of bazore called a phytobazore, which just means that it's made it, it's made mostly of like plant material. Mm-hmm. They are often very hard and almost woody in consistency. So this and, is uh, this is a bad thing. This isn't is a it? bad thing. You can wind up with a hard and woody mass in your stomach that is a result of eating an unripened persimmon. So don't do that. But like, if I just taste one, it's not going to no. cause like a big, big, big ass bazaar, right? No, no. But interestingly enough, more than eighty-five percent of phytobazaar, so more than eighty-five percent of of like plant caused bazaars are caused by unripe persimmons. This must be this. This feels like an old man thing to do, right? Doesn't it? Like, yeah. first of all, it probably takes a while to to develop a big bazaar. But it's just like you know, I, I'm you know, I like eating these things that uh, <laughs> that draw my mouth awry uh, with much torment. Like you know, I've been eating them for years. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Like you know, try and stop me, and then and then. Uh, an 85-pound uh, lump of, of uh, woody plant matter is removed surgically from your stomach. Well, but apparently in parts of the world where persimmons are grown, there are sometimes, well, at least w- Wikipedia referred to it this way, as like epidemics of bazaars. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I mean, is this is this going to turn out to be more of like a sad thing? when This like, is a sad episode. Where, where like, it's just like people didn't have other things to eat besides unripe persimmons i think you're exactly right ding ding i like i like the the like a crotchety old man explanation better yeah me too okay but anyway um i, I want to sort of wrap this up by talking a little bit more uh, about about the the wood of persimmon trees <laughs> i because... like i like that you feel that this is on topic for the show like I'm, I'm excited to hear about it too quite quite honestly but like on the apple episode did we talk about other things you can do with like the wood of an apple tree because the answer is pretty much anything <laughs> well uh, clearly i didn't do the research for the apple episode now did oh, that's I? true i did because i i made a, a bunch of uh 
funny Apple name. No, mm-hmm. I think I think that was the first time when it was just all real Apple names. Anyway, Matthew, so persimmon trees belong to the same genus as ebony trees. So uh, anyway, they, they show up in a lot of like traditional Korean and Japanese furniture, the, the okay. wood of a persimmon tree. And they're also pretty widely used in making wooden golf club heads, you know, <laughs> which I guess you and I would know about if we had ever played golf. No, but when this pandemic is over, let's head out on the links together. Okay. And, okay. Sh- and shoot some, what do you do out on the links? Um, like, like hit some, let's, let's go um, to the driving range. It, Put put some balls. Let's let's go to the driving range and put some balls. Persimmon wood is also often used in longbows. Tin cup. Let's get it. Let's let's get a ball into the tin cup. Okay. Anyway, longbows. <clears throat> longbows. <laughs> so this is a really there are so useful many different wood. sports that we are going to take up when this this pandemic is over. Archery. Archery is fun. Have you? Archery have you, have is you fun. Fired a bow. It. Is that what they call it? I did it in summer camp as a child. Yeah. And we used wooden bows and arrows. I remember the the burn of the, whatever you call the string on a bow. uh, Oh, yeah. I think you call it the bow string. Yeah. I remember like the friction burn of it. And I remember getting um, a splinter from the wooden arrow as it went whizzing past my finger. I think I've only used like fiberglass arrows. Yeah, no, I want an old school longbow with wooden arrows that like, you know, breaks your arm trying to trying to pull back the string. You know, earlier in the pandemic, uh, June found a piece of driftwood that was like perfectly <laughs> bow shaped. Oh, cool. And so she and Ash spent an afternoon turning it into a bow um, and then making arrows. And then we put up like a cardboard target on the side of the house. And wow, that bow did not work well, but it was really fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it was a good try though. Like I, I respect, I respect the endeavor. Thank you. Um, okay, anyways, so so it's used to make golf club heads, longbows, and some wooden spoons. You said, yeah, and furniture. Yeah, and and traditional Korean and Japanese furniture. So, but when yeah. we head out on the links, as we as we often so often do, mm-hmm. uh, like we could be eating like have a persimmon in one hand and a golf club in the other hand, whose head was made with wood from the same tree as the fruit that we're eating. God, think about that's that. Amazing. I don't think the timeline really works there. I don't think so either. Uh, wait, Matthew, I have an observation to share about my mouth. Please. Is it being drawn <laughs> awry with torment? No, no. So I've now eaten about three quarters of one hachia persimmon. And uh, my mouth has this really interesting feeling in it. So I, I can tell that there were tannins involved in this. Oh, interesting. Like, you know, sometimes after you eat or drink something tannic, it leaves like a lingering. It's not a feeling. It's not a flavor, but it's somewhere between a feeling and a flavor. I know. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. It's sort of it's sort of like a a, a, dr- a, a flavorful dryness. Yes, I've got a touch of that. Interesting. Yeah, my mouth tastes really interesting. It's are not you, bad. Are you going to be just, concerned now about bazaars? No, because okay. this is a very ripe persimmon. Okay. So I think the amount of that, you know, that acid or or what what was the thing that tur- turns turns into it bazaars? was the tannins. The right? tannins. Okay, certain amount. I, I don't think that we have enough of the okay. tannins for a bazaar. I hope. I hope you're right. I'm counting up my tannins to see if I can buy a bazaar. <laughs> <laughs> Won't anyway. you buy my bazaar? <laughs> okay, Matthew. Hey, it's time for our new segment: listener mail. Uh, 
Okay, this is from uh, listener Kara, who asks, can you please try to make more references to <laughs> slash jokes about Keynut Reeves? I am so grateful to listener Kara for loving the phrase Keynut Reeves as much as I do. <laughs> yep. Do you remember what episode that was? I don't think it was a um, peanut episode, was it? No. It might have been. What was it? I bet okay. listener Kara knows. You know what? Like uh, our, our listeners are very good at researching our back catalog in ways that we are not. So uh, if you if you know the answer, like uh, you can email us contact at spilledmouthpodcast.com, which is also a great place to ask us a question that could be used on a future listener mail segment. Oh, oh, um, uh, <laughs> I came up with a name for the listener mail segment. Okay. What do you think of this? Spilled mail. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I woke up this morning at like six fifteen and that was the thing that popped into my head, I'm like, oh, this is such a clever idea. Oh my god, this is like me and every thought I've ever had yes, in the right? middle of the night. Yes. Like I've been I've been working lately on uh, on writing original songs. Uh, I do not have anything to share because, and like, I know this is like the curse of like every creative person in every creative endeavor, but uh, wow, I've used the word endeavor several times on this episode, mm. but like, you know, I, an idea pops in my head like, oh, this is a catchy tune. All right. I'm going to turn this into a song. And then like 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh, this is garbage. And I don't mean the band garbage, which has many catchy songs. What was, what was your song about? You have to tell us now. Well, like I'm not. I I need help with lyrics. I I need to. I need to practice. Oh God, Matthew, that's such a cop out. Uh, okay, so I wrote. I wrote a song uh, <laughs> about uh, that. I took two two uh, nightmares that I had recently and like made a verse about each of them, and then like a chorus about nightmares in general. Okay. All right. I'm not. Okay. I'm not going to go into more detail than that. Oh, fine. Okay. Um. By the way, I'm really sorry you've had two nightmares lately. Wow, that's a lot of nightmares. I have about one nightmare a month. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you, that's do not you, terrible. Do you have nightmares? Not often. Um. But when I do have them, they're sometimes really well. I'm told that I do a very quick running motion in my sleep when I have a nightmare. <laughs> Like I run in place and, and in my nightmares, I often am trying to yell something. Oh yes. And I can't get it out. And I know this in my dream and I'm very disturbed by it, but I often will wake Ash up with my noisy efforts to make a sound in my dream. I'll be like, yeah, like that. Anyway, um, I had a dream sometime in the last year and a half or so that I rolled over in bed and <laughs> crushed a baby owl. <laughs> oh, that would and, be so upsetting in the and dream. And it's I so funny so now. so much noise in the middle of the night. There was so much like w- weird moan wailing happening. Anyway, oh, yeah, that would be awful. Anyway, yeah, that was a, that was a nightmare that was memorable. Yeah. No, I just kind of cycle through the same ones. I mean, I've had a bunch lately. I, more these are like not not like really nightmare, but I keep having dreams where like I I suddenly realize that I don't have a mask in a situation that that definitely requires one. Oh god, yeah. Wow, talk about a 2020 Very kind of dream. topical. Yeah, wow, that's intense. And I often dream that I'm supposed to perform a concert and uh and have it practiced or prepared in any way. Yeah, this this all makes sense. My dreams are not this easy to read. Oh yeah, mine mine are always like, you know, you do not need to dig up Freud to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> what do you think my baby owl meant? Was this like around the time you went to the owl cafe? 
No, no, I don't well, think so. I mean, I think it's it's your it like it's every parent's fear of of like uh, you know <laughs> something like you're gonna do something to ruin your child. Yeah, and I don't, and I I'm gonna like separate those into two things. Like every parent has fears, and also you are gonna do something to ruin your child. Yeah, yeah. No, this all makes sense. I I think that June is a baby owl, and I. I'm afraid of rolling over on her in my sleep. Yeah, and and crushing her dreams and her and her small bones and her little sweet little soft feathers. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Okay, you might well. want to get like take her in and have that looked at. <laughs> Okay, well, this has been another information-filled episode. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Thank you for doing the research. You are so welcome. I didn't know what I didn't know about persimmons, and now that I do know (laughs) what I didn't know, I'm glad I know it. Um, Oh, we have just (laughs) enough time for a very brief episode of uh, Cute Animals You Need to Know. Our cute animal you need to know this week is the baby Ooh. owl that Molly crushed in her sleep. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, our producer is Abby Circatella, and you can find us everywhere you already found us. Yes. Um, uh, if you want to, if you want to talk about the show with other listeners, a great place to do that is on Reddit. Reddit.com/r/slash/everything-spilled-milk. Mm-hmm. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. Do you remember there was um there was a closing joke about snapping your tendons, which is kind of what I did to the baby owl. Oh yeah, that was, I don't know I mean, if owls have that tendons. Is, that is like uh, more vivid than necessary. <laughs> um, and also, I think that joke is was like over four hundred episodes ago. <laughs> but but it's time it's time to bring it back so that we can like give people leave people with the ment- mental image of you uh, destroying a helpless animal. So I'm Matthew Amster Burton. Oh, I'm Molly Weisenberg. I'm ready to talk about these these simmies. That's what I call persimmons. Really? No. I just awesome. I, I just said that for the first time ever and I don't like it. Yeah, don't do that again. Okay. Okay. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 